Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, on Ground Zero Dot Radio, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. You can search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player. You can listen and download the show from those players. If you'd like to get rid of those annoying advertisements, however, you can subscribe to the full show archive on the website at thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to contact me directly, if you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. We also have Pro One Water Filters as an affiliate sponsor. You can find them on our website. And of course, all of my books are available on the website, softcover and digital. And we will be doing a Black Friday sale starting probably this coming Monday. I kind of forgot how quickly Thanksgiving was approaching. So I should have done a Black Friday sale this week. Actually, you know what? How about this? How about for the whole year subscription? Because I don't have a service that, that does this for me. The whole year subscription, the montages, the digital books, the show subscription, you can download and stream the show for free, a private RSS feed. How about for the whole year, uh, $40 instead of the $50? So we'll, we'll, we'll knock a $10 off that. So if you donate $40 through PayPal, there's a link on the website. Or if you use the money sign R-D-G-A-B-L-E on Cash App, $40, email me to let me know you've done it. And then I will get your account set up. www.thesecretteachings.info How about that? $40 for the Black Friday sale. I can't go much lower than that. Uh, that's about all that we can do. But that is it's still, it's still a good deal. $40 for the whole year, I think. If you have any questions, again, email me about that or anything else as well. Last night's show, I thought was a very, very good show when I went back and listened to it. And I hope that a lot of you listening took something out of that show last night. I thought that it was unique, and I don't think that I hear a lot of what we talked about, the perspective, on many other radio shows. And so I appreciate you as listeners who sat down and you listened, or maybe you were working and you listened to the entirety of last night's show. I called the show Human Rights and Human Wrongs, and we talked about the protests in Iran. And how this young girl, 22 years old, Masa Amini, refused to wear a headscarf, refused to comply with Iran's dress code. And as a result of that, she was arrested. She later died in custody. Just a brief recap if you missed last night's show. And as a result of that, people began protesting in the streets. Women were burning their headscarves. Women were kissing reportedly random men and posting it to social media. And the Iranian government is, of course, furious. They're a very strict and certainly oppressive state. However, you can understand perhaps why Iran is so strict and oppressive, religiously speaking, because their traditions and their beliefs, they hold them very dear in the same way that Christians or Jews hold their beliefs very, very dear. And if you look into the Bible, 
1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians says, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. So men should uncover their head when they do these things, when they pray, when they commune with God. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven, which is, according to the Bible, a very dishonorable thing for a woman to do, to shave her head or to cut her hair very short, because her long hair is naturally, they equate it to angels in the Bible, her long hair is a natural cover that protects her from wandering eyes. So all this stuff that you read about in the Bible and how this is taken to the extreme in places like Iran, although the story there is obviously not the whole story because you have mainstream media, alternative media, and people like Justin Trudeau sharing stories on Twitter that are false, that Iran sentenced 15,000 people to death. Not true. They've indicted over 1,000, and they sentenced maybe 10, maybe a dozen or less people to death. But those people they sentenced to death were doing things like rioters have done here in the States, burning buildings down, assaulting other people in the protest, which doesn't make any sense unless they're agent provocateurs. Uh, attacking um, you know, innocent people with knives is what was happening in Iran. And you can understand why people would protest too. It's very oppressive, right, to force people to wear a certain kind of clothing. But then again, it's also sort of oppressive in a different way to make it such a common thing in society to allow it to be completely acceptable for women to and for men to not take pride in their appearance. Your appearance is very important, not just in business. Now, this is something I truly believe. I don't think women should have to wear a headscarf. I don't believe that 1 Corinthians says that if you're a Christian, you have to cover your head if you're a woman. That's not what the Bible is saying. And I would imagine that the Muslim tradition is also slightly different than how the state chooses to enforce it today. In the same way Christianity has been distorted, Judaism has been distorted, and Islam has been distorted. Of course, you have mystical sects of these groups, and you also have very uh, evil sects of these groups. Uh, extremist, right-wing, end-of-the-world Christianity, Zionism, and Wahhabism, among others. So you have uh, traditions that I imagine the, the state of Iran probably doesn't even know why they're fully enforcing it. They just know women are supposed to do this. In the same way that, you know, a lot of Christians don't even know why. Why do you even do communion? You know, I didn't know why I did communion when I, when I was younger. I, I only learned that when I started to read about comparative religion. Nobody even taught me what communion was. I went to a Christian school. You just do things because that's what everybody else does. And it's the same thing with, with your appearance. I, I think appearance is really important. I'm not saying that I dress up in a suit every day, but appearance is important. How is someone supposed to take you seriously if you don't take yourself seriously? I'm not saying you have to wear a suit, but I think appearances is important. And when I look around me, I don't really see a lot of people that take that seriously. I see a lot of people who seem to be in a state of mind in which they hate themselves. And I feel like to under under most circumstances, not all circumstances, but under most circumstances, you have to dislike yourself. This is my view. I'm sure it's controversial. You have to dislike yourself to not 
take care of yourself in these ways. And I'm just talking about visual appearance. You have to not like yourself. I don't care how comfortable it is. You know, anything can be comfortable. You know, anything can, can, can be uncomfortable. So I'm not talking about a particular type of clothing. But you have to dis- really have to dislike yourself, I think, if you don't take care of your, your, yourself and your appearance, the way that you look. You know, I just feel that we have a very, very deteriorating social image. I feel that we don't care what we look like. We don't care how we act. All that matters is tribalism and convenience. Really, that, is, that seems to be all that matters. Tribalism and convenience. Uh, you know, tribalism is you're always taking uh, that one side, uh, that political uh, or that religious or whatever it is. Wherever your tribe is, you know, you're, what's that movie, uh, that book series, what's that called? Uh, Twilight, you know, Team Jacob or Team whatever. That's what, that's what it's all about, right? Your team Republican or your team Democrat, your team Christian or your team atheist or your team this or your team that. And of course, mixed with the abundance of convenience, we don't really have much, much to, to want for. Uh, or at least we don't have much that we need. I guess we do have a lot we want, a lot we desire. And desire is really the original sin. Because if you're in a garden state of paradise, theoretically, let's put it, you put yourself in a hypothetical example here, uh, theoretically in terms of looking at the biblical narrative, if you're in a garden paradise and you have everything taken care of for you and you don't need anything, you have your food, you have your companionship, you have everything you need, then anything beyond that that you want is, well, it's not only a want, but you can lust after it. You can break a lot of the deadly sins. Uh, you can covet it from other people, uh, not in a garden state because there aren't other people, but just the idea of this. Everything's taken care of, but you still want more. So it's greed, it's lust, it's coveting what other people have or what you don't have. It doesn't even have to be other people. Uh, this is obviously a very immoral thing. And this is a thing that leads us to do things that we might not otherwise do to obtain things that we don't need. Like George Carlin always used to say about you know money and buying things at the store. People buying things that they don't need with money that they don't have. So we have a lot of wants. Lots of wants. In fact, I think our wants greatly out way our needs. And I think as Americans in particular, we really don't understand. I've talked about this before. We don't understand what it means to need and to want. We don't know what it means to need or to want. We don't know what it means to really need to find food. We don't really need, you know, know what it means to need to really, really um, uh, obtain something that here in the States we have such an abundance of, you know, even when we, we might need something, we don't really need it. Like we say we need to go to the store and we need to pick up this or that. Like Thanksgiving is coming up, right? So we need to go to the store and pick up 
Thanksgiving supplies. We need to pick up some flour or we need to pick up some cranberries. But like, do you actually need that? No, that's that's what you want. That's the tradition that you want to have. You know, you want to make the nice dinner and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between wanting something and actually needing something. Do you actually need to buy the things that you're buying? I don't care if you buy them. That's not the point. My point is wants and needs tribalism and convenience and the difference between self-respect and the lack of self-respect as a result of and as can be seen by the proof of what people choose to portray themselves as and again i don't care if you pierce your face or you get a tattoo or you wear some sweatpants to the store but the more and more we go down this road where this becomes acceptable where this becomes normal I want to point something else out as we talked about last night. In a place like Iran, you don't wear the headscarf, you don't wear the dress code, and you get arrested. I had a friend of mine who went to India. As you know, India is a caste system. India is the I have everything and the I have nothing. Not the haves and the have-nots, because even in those kinds of societies, the have-nots have a little bit. In India, it's I have everything, you have nothing. You'll own nothing and be happy, basically. It's the model for the World Economic Forum. My friend went to India, and she said at least on three, I think it was three different occasions, a guy just grabbed her physically and said, you're coming home with me. (laughs) You're going to meet my parents. We're married now. Um, I don't know how common that is in India, but she said it happened three times when she went there. I I don't think... You know, for, for all of the female listeners, I don't think you really have much of a perspective, do you, on the rest of the world? I don't think men do either. But do you, do you know, women in, in, in terms of relationships and the way in which women are treated in other parts of the world, do you really have any perspective on the way that the female is treated everywhere else in the world? You know, you don't really have a perspective on that here in the States. If you go to Canada... I mean, hell, even if you go vacation in Mexico, you go to India, you go to parts of Africa, you go to, I don't know, Iran, you're going to be treated a lot differently. You know, men and women, humans, we have it really good here in the United States. So good, we don't even recognize how good we have it because we're so used to it that we don't have any perspective on what it might be be otherwise what it might be elsewhere i find it outrageous that any woman would claim that she has no rights in the united states you have more rights in the united states in the most conservative state than women have anywhere else in the world a 15-week abortion ban slash protection because it protects abortion up to 15 weeks when legislatures could have actually banned it outright in individual states. That is not oppression. That is a state issue and legislatures voting on that issue and trying to find middle ground to appease both sides. That's democracy. I don't think women have much of a right to say that you need a right, you have a right, you demand a right to abortion, or you're oppressed and you're losing your rights. 
Do you have any idea what it's like to actually lose your rights? I mean, the simple fact that protesters anywhere in the country can protest with violence, which is not a protest, it's a riot, it's looting, it's vandalism, it's assaulting a police officer, etc. In a place like Iran, and maybe not even Iran, maybe Iran is, has been pretty lenient on these protesters the last couple of weeks. But in a lot of countries, I don't know, China's a good example, North Korea's a good example. If you do those kinds of things in those countries, there isn't any slap on the wrist. There's no, you get arrested, go to jail, and George Soros pays for you to get out. Or FTX pays for you to get out. In those countries, they just execute you. That's why China is the leading country for executions. They're putting up big numbers in China. Huge numbers. Unbelievable numbers. Never before seen numbers. Massive numbers of executions in China. Now, our Western leaders, including Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau, won't condemn China, but they'll condemn Iran. A little bit of a double standard, don't you think? A little bit of a double standard for the White House to say that sham trials in Iran are a disgrace. I mean, how many trials in the U.S. are shams? The January 6th hearing, oh, I don't know, the Alex Jones trial. There's just a couple that I can think of off the top of my head. Those are sham trials. Locking people up for January 6th, denying them legal assistance, denying them the light of day, denying them a day in court, denying them due process of law. To me, that kind of sounds like a sham. That kind of sounds like a political prisoner. But it's only bad if it happens in Iran. If it happens here, then it's, it's good. I just don't think we have much of a perspective on the rest of the world, particularly that abortion issue. You have women at universities that 98%, at least here in Arizona, it's 98%, there's like 96% in Texas, vote Democrat because they want abortion rights. That's not going to happen in Texas. You're not going to get on-demand abortion. And even if they succeed in completely stealing the state of Arizona, the legislature still, from what I understand, not going to pass an abortion law that gives you abortion rights under all circumstances whatsoever, no matter what. It's not going to happen. That's a waste of a vote. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy and resources. And there are so many other things we should be focusing on. But you say you don't have rights. And I, this is not an abortion show. I just don't get it. What do you mean you don't have rights? Do you know where they don't have rights? They don't have rights in places like Iran. A lot of people don't have rights in places like Saudi Arabia. You don't have rights in places like China. You don't have rights in places like North Korea. You don't have rights in those oppressive regimes, under those oppressive regimes. And no matter how bad Joe Biden is, and no matter how bad your Republican governor is, you'll never know oppression in the United States unless we totally abandon the system of rule, which were pretty close to agreeing we should do in the name of, well, equality, which makes no sense because the rule of law is the only thing in the world, and our Constitution is the only thing in the world that actually protects people, regardless of their gender, sex, race, ethnicity, nationality, etc. But we don't want to tell kids that because then we wouldn't be able to use them to fight for more justice. It's just amazing that 98% of universities vote for abortion and the women that vote for Democrats or vote for whoever because of abortion say that, and this is the narrative that you're, they're losing their rights. We're losing our right. 
how are you losing your rights? What rights do you not have? As far as I can tell, based on the Me Too movement out of Hollywood, which is a joke, based on what I can tell, it seems like women tend to have more rights than men. It, it, it seems like women experience more niceties in society than men do. I mean, as a woman, you have it so good in this country, you are actively engaged in trying to make your life worse because you don't know any better. Men, too. We have it so good in this country. Activists and protesters have been brainwashed so terribly in the universities and entertainment and media that they're actively engaged in practices to make their life worse because they don't have anything else to do. It's it's really, truly unbelievable. I don't know if this has ever happened in the history of the world. You're so free and you have so many things that you can do with your life that you're just bored with it and you'd rather fight for something that you already have and then when you obtain what it is that you're fighting for it's actually the opposite of what you thought you were fighting for because you already had what you thought you were fighting for that makes sense i find it ridiculous that people who are extremely privileged i can't afford to go to college um i went to film school on loans when i was a really young guy didn't understand what I was signing. Uh, Now, if I wanted to go to law school, which I've thought about, I don't have the money to go to law school. And yet I'm told I'm privileged. And the white women that go to that go to universities and the top 1% of the top 1%, they're oppressed because they can't kill a baby on demand. Doesn't make any sense to me. If you don't think you have any rights here, go to Iran and see what happens. Now, the reason that I'm bringing all this up is because I've been reading recently about a um, about the Hopi, the Hopi Indian tradition. They're mostly located in northeastern Arizona, here where I am. And uh, in the Hopi tradition, they believe that the first world was destroyed by fire. The second world was destroyed by ice, probably the Ice Age. A third world was destroyed by a massive flood, so probably the, the deglaciation of the Ice Age over couple thousand years from 17,000 roughly. And then they believe that the fourth world, our world right now, or perhaps if you're looking at the, uh, the Mayan belief, this is the fifth sun. Uh, the Avestic Aryans also have believe in three ages of creation before our own. So this would be the fourth, like the Hopi believe uh, that the, the fourth world will only not perish if its inhabitants Learn to abide by the plans of the creator. In other words, learning to align oneself with nature and become harmonious with nature. Now, I'm not saying this as I'm thinking in my head about, you know, ice caps melting and climate change and all the typical things you think about when we talk about living in harmony with nature. But living in harmony with nature means living in harmony with yourself living in harmony with other people, doing what's right, being moral, having you know respect for yourself and for others, for your community, being dignified, being ethical. All these things matter. And traditions throughout the world say that as man becomes less and less ethical, more immoral, less responsible, has less respect for himself, herself, and their environment and nature, that the creator is going to destroy the world as a result. And that could mean a lot of things. We're going to explore that tonight on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, the music White Bat Audio. If you'd like to contact me, TST Radio at protonmail.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. 
More after this. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. So I've been reading the Hopi creation myth, or to the Hopi, it's not so much a myth, it's a story that's very real. The Hopi Indians, for those of you who don't live in the United States, are a people that populate northeastern, roughly, Arizona, and they believe in a place or a time called Topella, which is the first world. They call this endless space. Now, Tukpela was a time before time. This was kind of like the void in the Bible. And when I was reading this creation myth, this Hopi creation myth, I thought, this is so similar to the Genesis narrative. Much like we find flood narratives all around the world, not just from Sumer and Babylon, India, China, all over the Americas, South and Central and North, We find flood narratives that are almost identical in the Scandinavian countries, whether it's an ark, it's a box, it's a tree, two people survive, send out birds, sacrifice animals once the flood is over, the ark, the tree ends up on the top of a mountain. Creation myths are also very similar. And creation myths can date back to a more recent time or they could date back to a very ancient time ancient, ancient time. Because we may have had multiple 
and likely have as a species multiple creation periods. For example, it's very likely that a sophisticated civilization existed on planet Earth in the middle of the last ice age. And if that sophisticated civilization was destroyed in part or almost entirely with the exception of a few remnants surviving, then those remnants perhaps spread around the world after this immense deluge or series of deluges, the melting of ice caps, the Younger Dryas period, uh, perhaps asteroids, comets, volcanoes, earthquakes, all these things, immense powerful floods, unbelievable floods. Then you have the stories of the gods and you have the stories of the teaching of architecture, agriculture, the teaching of mapping. You've seen some of the ancient maps mapping Antarctica and other places. The teaching of mathematics and astronomy, the teaching of metallurgy, the teaching of things that seem like they only could come from the gods. And this was a new period of creation after things had been destroyed on Earth. And you find that in the Native American traditions. You find that in uh, Aboriginal traditions around the world. You find that in traditions where you wouldn't think to look, but everybody seems to agree. Everybody seems to have the, com- the same common source for a period of creation after a global catastrophe, after a global cataclysm. And everybody seems to agree that there was also a period of time in which everything that we know, long, millions, billions, or infinity before anything more recently happened, there was a period of, of creation where the universe was created. So, and, and they could be one and the same. The universe being created could be the, uh, the, the, the second period of creation, as I refer to it, after these immense cataclysms. So the Hopi refer to this time, this endless space, as the first world. Genesis 1, 1 through 2 provides a very parallel description of this. They say that in Genesis, they, you know, the Elohim, the plural, the gods, uh, they saw that the, quote, earth was formless and empty. The earth was formless and empty. Very similar to the Hopi tradition. Endless space, the first world. Genesis says darkness was over the surface of the deep. And darkness being over the surface of the deep, we know is the planet energy, perhaps not the physical planet, perhaps the physical planet, I don't know, Uh, we don't know, but the energy, the planetary signature of Saturn, Saturn is darkness. Darkness was over the water of the deep. So Hopi legend describes that their creator, a being that is... um, the only thing in existence, like God, that their creator uh, basically moved over the waters. Their creator moved over the waters in the same way that in the Bible it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The book of the Hopi describes that this nothingness, this endless space, has, quote, no beginning and no end. It's like the Ouroboros. No time, no shape, no life. The book of the Hopi says it was an immeasurable void that had its beginning and end, time, shape, and life in the mind of the Creator. Now, as the infinite mind of God conceived the finite world, 
the Hopi creator created a deity, a character named, and I hope I pronounced this right, Sotuknang. Sotuknang. S-O-T-U-K-N-A-N-G. Sotuknang. And the creator said to him, I have created you the first power and instrument as a person to carry out my plan for life in endless space. The first created deity had to lay out the universe, lay out the universe in, quote, proper order so they may work harmoniously with one another. In other words, the first created being, so Tuknang, is essentially the architect, a very Saturnistic energy. It's like Jesus with the compass measuring the earth. Likewise, Genesis 1-3 describes this event as God stating, let there be light. In the Hopi Book of Creation, it says to set the earth, to set the world into proper order, uh, to set the universe into proper order, not just the earth. And from this creative command, God separated the light from the darkness. One of the creator beings in the Hopi tradition, following the plan of creation, gathered everything which was to be manifest as solid substance, so that's like Ta in Egypt. It's like Saturn again. And as the book of the Hopi describes, molded it into forms and arranged them into nine universal kingdoms. The first kingdom belonged to the original creator. The second belonged to the created creator, the second creator, so Tukneng. And the remaining seven universes were for life to come. And these seven universes are like, well, seven divine rays of creation and the seven biblical days of creation. Now, the Hopi creator was very pleased and said, it is very good what has been created. In Genesis 1.10, it said, God saw that his creation was good. God saw that it was good. Hopi tradition says the creator then separated the waters just as in Genesis 1-6 wherein God says, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. The Hopi creator said, the Hopi God said, now I want you to do the same thing with the waters. Place them on the surfaces of these universes so they will be divided equally among all and each. Next, the second creator was instructed to put the forces this is Sotuknang, put the forces of air into peaceful movement about all. And this is the Genesis 1-8 parallel in which God, quote, separated the water under the vault from the water above it, calling the upper vault sky. So put the forces of air into peaceful movement about all, God separating the waters and calling that which is above the sky. The Hopi creator was once more very pleased, saying, you have created the universe and made them manifest in solids, waters, and winds, and put them in their proper places. These, of course, are you know elements, earth, water, and air. The creator then instructed the first power. This is what the creator referred to Sotuknang as, the first power, to create life and its movement to complete the four parts, the four parts of the universal plan. So the first power, Sotuknang, went into the first world and created a helper, another helper deity. This helper deity is called the Spider Woman. The book of the Hopi describes how the Spider Woman obeyed instruction to create further life. The Spider Woman took some earth 
and mixed it with saliva, then molded that earth and saliva into two beans. It was through the creation song, or in the biblical theme, the word of God, that life came into manifest finite existence. The spider woman then gathered earth, this time of the four colors, yellow, red, white, and black, mixed it with saliva again, and molded materials while singing the creation song. This is how much of the rest of the, uh, of the creation that we understand in the biblical narrative was created in the Hopi tradition. So human beings emerged from what the Hopi call the white substance cape, which is known as creative wisdom. They emerged from creative wisdom, divinity, which was placed over them. The white substance cape wisdom was placed over them in their primal states. It's said that they were created in the image of the first power, Sotuknang, just as God created mankind in his own image, as told in Genesis 1.27, when male and female, he created them. Spider Woman then created four other beings modeled after her own form. These were female partners for the first four male beings. So it's not just solely a man and woman. You have four male beings and four female beings. Now the uncovering, the removal of this creative wisdom, the uncovering of human life in the Hopi tradition is said to be the time of dark purple light, which is the first phase of the dawn of creation. As humans awakened and began to move around, Hopi tradition entered into the second phase of the dawn of creation, when the breath of life entered man, according to the book of the Hopi. That's almost identical to Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living God. The third phase of creation for the Hopi was the time of the red light, This is when man met his creator, the sun. Spider Woman tells mankind, quote, you are meeting your father, the creator, of the first time. Now, much like in the Garden of Eden, the first people of the Hopi also knew no sickness. They didn't know what it meant to be sick. They didn't know what it meant to be ill. They didn't know what it meant to not feel well. It was not quote, until evil entered the world, end quote, that persons began to get sick in body and head. The book of the Hopi says the first people kept multiplying and spreading over the face of the land, and they were happy. Although they were of different colors and spoke different languages, they felt as one and understood one another without talking. Such a positive, uh, kind of like a babble-like state, everybody kind of has the uh, the speaking of different languages and they look different. Uh, But it's, this is the narrative in the Hopi tradition. It speaks to the the name Hopi because the name Hopi means peaceful people. So the fact that they had different colors and spoke different languages didn't matter much because they, um, they still got along. Now in less complex mythology, the Hopi like countless other Indian tribes in the Americas and particularly in the American Southwest believe that their ancestors came up from under the ground. They were protected by the snake or ant people from falling stars and what are generally described as massive cataclysmic events. So that's the story of the Hopi creation, and they mostly parallel uh, these different elements, the, the biblical narrative, the biblical story. The reason I'm telling you this story tonight, and it's a brief overview, it's not 
complexity of, of what could probably take an entire two-hour show, is that the Hopi also believe that this world that was created uh, likely after the last massive, incomprehensible global cataclysm, and their people came out from under the earth, they had clearly been taken there by something or someone, some kind of knowledge to be protected from what would what would transpire, whether that's falling stars, you know, whether that's volcanoes blacking out of the sky, uh, black rain, like in Central America, the Mayan tradition, the black rain, the blocking out of the sun. This could be a lot of things that we understand today to be volcanoes or, you know, an asteroid strike or something to that effect. The Hopi believe that going back to the very first world, because they believe this is the fourth world, the very first world was destroyed by fire. The second world was destroyed by ice. And the third world was destroyed by a massive flood. So prior to the Hopi people emerging from the earth, according to their tradition, they believe that they were put into the earth. They were taken into the earth to be protected by the ant or the snake people. And what they were being protected from, apparently, was a massive flood that was was known to um, be on its way to destroying the entirety of the world. It probably didn't happen in one single night. It probably happened over hundreds of years uh, as ice caps melted and then perhaps other things that were not 100% sure something else happened, uh, and it caused uh, destruction all over the world, uh, not just isolated little deluges. So they believe that that, that flood destroyed their destroyed civilization. So it was fire, ice, and, and water that destroyed the three worlds. Now the fourth world, this is the world of the creation story that we just read. This is the world of the biblical narrative. And I believe that the, the fourth world will also perish under similar types of, of cataclysm unless the inhabitants of the world decide to abide by the laws of nature and the laws of God. And this is something that if you were, let's say, let's say you're a Christian traditionally, you might agree with the Hopi belief that man doesn't abide by the laws of God. Man doesn't abide by the rules of God or the laws and the rules of nature. And you might have your own interpretation of what that might be for some Christians, just like with Muslims in Iran, as we discussed last night, they believe that if you don't wear the headscarf as a woman out in public, they say that you are basically evil. You are a cancer of the earth. Uh, they say that you are, in fact, I have the, uh, the quote right here, an enemy of God and corruption on earth. Likewise, the Christians you know, might believe, like when I went to Christian school, I remember our school sent a letter home one time that said, um, if we ever get caught, it was something like, if we ever get caught at a PG-13 movie, we'll be uh, kicked out of school. And I was not a very bright kid, but I remember asking, how are they going to know I'm at a PG? Because we went to movies all the time when I was a kid. How are they going to know I'm at a PG-13 movie unless they're there? <laughs> and if they're there, then they're breaking their own rule. It's kind of the same thing, you know, Christians like, well, you can't have a, you know, a pair of pants that doesn't go below your knees. I don't know if Christians are strict about that anymore. My, my school certainly was. I can't go see certain movies and 
you know, depending on how strict of a Christian you are or how strict of um, a Muslim you are, how strict of a Jew you are, or even how strict of a Buddhist you are, you have different interpretations of what is considered acceptable and what is not acceptable in the eyes of God uh, or in the eyes of your, you know, religious, you know, upbringing, religious tradition, your religious parents, you know, whatever. Um, in the same way that, you know, today we have uh, different types of religious um, type beliefs, cult-like beliefs. You know, you either get a vaccine or you can't come to Thanksgiving dinner, right? You wear two masks or, you know, you can't see uh, your grandchildren or something like that. Same, similar kind of a thing. So three worlds destroyed. The fourth, fourth world, the Hopi say we can prevent it from being destroyed, but it's not looking too good. And it's not looking too good because people are immoral, unethical. They lack self-respect. They always have a weapon pointed at each other. They're always angry. They're always fighting. Now, this idea, this, this belief, is probably not shared by all Hopi. I imagine there are some Hopi that don't believe this. They might, and I guess it would depend on their upbringing. You know, uh, I would believe that there are, are some Christians who agree more with the Hopi account than do some Hopi, and some Hopi that would agree with the Christian account more than some Christians. My, my point here is, it's the general idea that traditions have maintained throughout the world, various different cultures, not only maintaining creation stories and cataclysmic stories of floods and fires and ice, the ice stories, as opposed to flood stories, are usually told up in the high, you know, the high north, the Scandinavian countries, uh, where they believe it was a an ice world. Basically, uh, the Earth became an ice world rather than uh, a great deluge. Um, there's actually a couple of different accounts of kind of the kind of like uh, really bad winters, uh, is how they're described in the mythologies. Uh, really bad winters that were equivalent to a great deluge, uh, which are really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of different stories about that. So regardless of what we're dealing with here, you know, the Hopi say that the earth was destroyed by fire, by ice, by water. And now the present age or the fifth sun, as those in Central America would call it, the fifth sun or the fourth age and the Avestic Aryans also, you know, of, of Iran, they actually called this the fourth age as well. There were three ages before this age. That this age is going to end in cataclysm and destruction as well. I mean, the Christians certainly believe that, that there's going to be a world destroyed by fire, um, that the world is going to uh, slip into total and absolute chaos because of evil. And, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of get, get the idea, you can kind of understand uh, where that idea is, is coming from. Uh, because in every tradition around the world, it's because of the uh, immoral, unethical, and uh, evil behavior of man uh, for which things, the reason why things are destroyed. Uh, I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed uh, because the people there were practicing prostitution and gambling and drinking and all kinds of other things. As a result of that, it's kind of like the Noah story, right? Um, an angel came to Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, helped Lot and his wife and their children uh, escape the city, which was going to be destroyed in fire. And 
that's the story, you know, Lot's wife looks back and she gets turned into a pillar of dust or the original, I, I believe, translation was salt. So uh, the angels helped Lot get out of the city, his family get out of the city. And then the, the city was destroyed. And the reason that the city was destroyed was because of, you know, really terrible behavior. Uh, the kind of, like, I honestly, I, I say that Sodom and Gomorrah is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, you know, a, a Portland. Some people say it's kind of like Las Vegas. You know, I, I don't sincerely think that. I just kind of, I kind of laugh at the idea of it. But the point is, why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? Because the people there were wicked. The people there were chaotic and destructive. They were out of line with the natural order, with natural law. They were out of line with God. And so their city was destroyed by fire. In the same way that our world is in imminent danger from destruction, it doesn't mean that the whole world is going to blow up, but our civilization is in danger of some kind of destructive and chaotic event, some kind of destructive and chaotic ending, if we don't, according to tradition, find God by some definition it doesn't mean you become a christian it doesn't mean you know you study the hopey belief it's just things that are across the world and across all cultures things that are usually based on the same idea you know again ethics morals dignity respect honor it's really hard to honor and to respect someone who doesn't take pride in their appearance. It's really hard to honor and respect someone who doesn't take pride in themselves. And not pride that comes before the fall, but enough pride to take care of your physical body. It's a temple to take care of your physical appearance, to be proud of who you are, and to not be depressed and suicidal because, you know, you can't have abortions on demand. You know, because you're living in America and you've been taught you th to think America is an evil place. So you're really angry and you want to destroy the system, which for all intents and purposes allows you to be angry and allows you to work to dismantle it. That's how free you are. That's how free you are to the point of where you don't get your skull bashed in for resisting things that the state wants you to do. That's how free you are in America, which allows you to be an idiot basically. Now, the idea of man working in harmony with nature also extends beyond the way that you dress and the way that you act is the way that we treat each other. And it's the way that we treat, uh, you know, our communities and the way that we behave in our communities. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not sorry to tell you that as a society, allowing people to live on the street perpetually, allowing chronic street homelessness to perpetuate and gestate, and allowing people to do drugs on the side of the road like um, like you see in, in almost every major city, uh, allowing these things is immoral. Allowing these things is unethical. And anytime someone says, hey, we should try to clean this up, people tell you, you're punching down, you hate homeless people. No, actually, I think you hate homeless people. You don't want to help those people get better. You don't want to help those people get off those drugs. You don't want to help those people get an income by working. You don't want to help those people get a home. 
I think you hate homeless people. I think you're punching down. Now, I'm using homeless people and drugs and things like this as an example. I used to be homeless. I wasn't on drugs, but I used to be homeless. I did not want to stay in those conditions. I was homeless because I couldn't find a job, and I lived in my car. I was lucky enough to have that. And when people don't want that assistance and want that help, we're not going to allow those people to live on the street anymore. And if they want to continue to live on the street, they're not going to continue to do it in our city. A lot of politicians have made this argument, has, have, have debated this, and have pointed this out. And, of course, a lot of people say, well, that's just hateful. It's No, what's hateful is allowing people to live in those conditions and allowing cities to turn into third world countries. That's what's hateful. That's what's spiteful. And that's the kind of thing that disconnects us from source and God. That's the kind of thing that disconnects us from nature. That's the kind of thing that disconnects us from the natural world. When we come back from break, we're going to go further into this present fourth world tell you a little bit more about what it means. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us right here on the broadcast. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info if you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year check out one of my four books for the holiday season occult arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore the technological elixir looks at ufos demonology in the music industry and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. Hello. Folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the fall of back to me. 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi everyone, this is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable if you'd like to contact the show rdgable at yahoo.com is the email the other email is tst radio at protonmail.com you can reach us on either one of those emails i check them as frequently as possible you can also find us on twitter at tst underscore underscore radio and on facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Secret Teachings, our affiliate sponsor, Pro and Water Filters, is on our website. You can listen to the show for free on the website or any radio or podcast player, but we do need your support financially, so please either listen to the show for free on any radio podcast player, listen to those ads. We get money from those ads. We don't put those ads in the show, though. They do it automatically. Or grab a copy of one of my books and or subscribe to the show Tonight through Thanksgiving, probably a day or two after Thanksgiving, you know, our Black Friday sale, it's $40. If you donate $40 to The Secret Teachings, you can do it through PayPal, rdgable at yahoo.com, or the link on our website, or the money sign, rdgable, and you will get a one-year subscription with all of the fixings from thesecretteachings.info. That is the montages, the archive with all the shows, and of course, the digital copies of my books, including my new book, and a private RSS feed that you can plug into, say, an Apple podcast player, and then you get the show without those advertisements, so you can still take the show with you. Tonight on the broadcast, we're looking at the creation story of the Hopi and sort of paralleling what we talked about last night with context and perspective for other countries and other religions and other traditions and other beliefs and things like this, where in Iran, a young girl gets arrested and dies in police custody. They probably killed her, Masa Amini, because she didn't want to wear a headscarf. And you can understand why she wouldn't want to wear a headscarf. You can understand why women are burning their headscarves, why women are protesting, basically burning their bras. You can understand why women are kissing random men and posting it to social media. You can understand why people are protesting. I don't know if I can understand why people would try to burn buildings down because of this. Maybe that's just what happens at a protest gone wild. But you can also understand as a result of that why the government of Iran would give out death sentences to the people that are trying to burn buildings down disturbing the public order, attacking people with knives who are part of the protest. Why people are attacking other people in the protest doesn't make much sense. Uh, Arresting and giving death sentences to people for being, quote, an enemy of God and a corruption on earth. An enemy of God and corruption on earth. That's a quote from the Revolutionary Court of Iran. Now, you might not agree with those policies or those those laws, but 
I can understand why they implement them and why they enforce them. I don't think that most of them know why they, they enforce them, but I understand why they're enforced conceptually. I also understand why people would resist those laws. One thing I don't understand, however, other than the double standard of condemning Iran but not condemning China, as the West has done largely Canada and the United States, as we talked about last night, I have a hard time understanding why anybody in the United States where you're in the top 1%, generally speaking, and how anybody in the United States at a major university where you're in an even smaller percentage of that 1% in terms of privilege and wealth and opportunity, how you at a university, particularly women, but men as well, it's 98% of universities in, in Arizona voted for Democrats based on the abortion issue. On average, it's all about abortion. Uh, under the guise that you don't have any rights, your rights are being taken away, which isn't the case here in Arizona, as we've done abortion shows before. Um, it's just not how the law works. You know, Roe versus Wade's overturned. It becomes a state issue. We don't have a law in Arizona, so it reverts to a territorial law. And then the new law, 15 weeks, is passed. It doesn't take effect till January, and that'll be the law. And, you know, nothing's going to really change that. Uh the legislature is not going to give you abortion on demand. So it's just, a, it's a, just a giant joke is what it is. And for anybody at a university to claim they have no rights, you're spending fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a semester, and you're drinking expensive coffee in the morning, you got a workout center, okay? you got a football team, a basketball team, a lacrosse team, a soccer team. You, you've got access to unlimited information in libraries, you know, computers, cell phones, you got a car, you know, your parents paid for your apartment or whatever. You're so privileged, you don't have any idea what the rest of the world is like. You're in the top percent of the top percent, even if you're not that wealthy. And to claim that your rights are being taken away because you don't have abortion on demand, when that's not even the case, it's not even accurate to say that, is ludicrous and outlandish and wild and just stupid and arrogant and ignorant. And if you think you have no rights, then leave the United States and go to a country where you think they have more rights. Go to Iran and wear your club clothes down the road and see how long it takes before you get stoned to death. Go to another country where they don't tolerate this crap. Go to China China doesn't even tolerate the kind of crap that happens in, in the United States. China doesn't tolerate the way that people here dress and the way that people here act. They don't tolerate feminine men. They don't tolerate masculine women. They don't tolerate women wandering around with their boobs and their ass hanging out. They don't tolerate that stuff in China for the most part. You go to jail. You get beaten. You disappear. They take your organs. You can't even pray in public in China without, especially if you're part of a group, without being arrested. So you think you don't have any rights. This is what I don't understand. You have no rights, but then all the things that you do every day that you take for granted literally are illegal in most countries that are run by authoritarian regimes. Yet so many of the people at universities who believe this are also the same people that, like up in Portland during the riots a couple years ago, were flying communist flags. And people in Hong Kong were flying American flags. Remember that? 
doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? To me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't understand it. I don't understand how using a woman's body to sell a product is not oppressive, but making a woman wear a headscarf, certainly if it's against her will, I don't agree with that, but making a woman wear a headscarf to cover her head or to wear a, you know, the whole, the whole getup to cover her body, that's, that's considered oppression. But using a woman's body and flaunting it and to sell a product that's not oppression, I can tell you that a lot of the rest of the world sees Western uh, media Western um, advertising as kind of insulting to women, particularly in those Middle Eastern countries. Now, that's just a difference of opinion, right? It's just a difference of culture, a difference of tradition. Yeah, sure. That's whatever. I don't, I don't really care one way or another. But I'm saying that there needs to be balance here. We need to understand that they have a point and we have a point. Let's not put clothing over our bodies by force but let's maybe cover our bodies a little more because let's let's have some self-respect. I don't care what you wear. Like I said last night, I don't care how you dress. I'm simply addressing some key issues here that I believe are connected to religious and mythological traditions throughout the world telling us that in our world that we exist in today, the fourth world or the fifth sun. We don't have a lot of time in this world. If we don't align ourselves with nature and creation and God and follow God's plan, which all God's plan is, is harmony with nature. When we don't follow that plan, when we divert from that plan, when we don't respect our bodily temples or the natural nature temple around us, then the universe is going to get very angry and destroy this world. The Hopi tradition is that the first world was destroyed by fire, the second world by ice, the third world by a massive flood, and they believe that our present fourth world will only be shown mercy if its inhabitants abide by the plans of their creator. I hope that we're abiding by the plans of the creator, and I know that from someone like myself, if I was listening to this, you know that I'm not a Christian. I'm not religious-minded, but I'm also not an atheist. I see God differently. I see source differently. I see these as concepts. I see, you know, basically, I've, and I've said this before, I think God is morality. I think God is ethics. I think God is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. I think God is harmony with nature. Basically, you know, the, the divine will uh, of the creator. And as the Hopi believe, when we are not aligned with this, then we are going to suffer immensely as a result. And I don't think that we need Iran's revolutionary court to tell us how we need to live. And I don't think that we need Hollywood and mass media and entertainment and advertising to tell us how we should live. I think we should figure out how to do it for ourselves. I think we should have respect for ourselves. We should have respect for our bodies. We should have respect for our minds. I think we should have respect for other people. I don't see how this is a very hard thing to grasp. And I think we should recognize that when someone says, 
we need to respect other people's choices like living on the street and doing drugs on the side of the road and harassing people for money. This isn't really respecting other people by allowing that and coddling that. That's kind of immoral to allow that in society. That's very, very undignified. It's wrong. We shouldn't do that. In other words, a lot of the things that we interpret to be kindness and love and peace and all these things, these things are oftentimes hijacked and they're diverted to um, things that are very distracting from the main point. Like, I, I don't know about you. I wanted, to bring, I wanted to bring this point up. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that. Let me try to think of how to word this. You know how people talk about cultural appropriation? Like, oh my God, you can't wear a sombrero. It's appropriating Mexican culture or something like that. You know, you can't, if you're a white woman, you can't have, you know, dreads because that's appropriating black culture as, as if a black woman can't put blonde highlights in her hair, which, you know. So, cultural appropriation. You know what I think is cultural appropriation? I think cultural appropriation, and I've noticed this um, at, at cafes and restaurants that I've been to that are like more vegan aligned. They tend to be, you know, more, more whole, more earth-based. I'm thinking of a few places I've been to, you know, in my, in my head, I'm thinking of the places. I don't want to say them out loud because uh, that's not the point. But like I've gone to these these like vegan, like earth kind of restaurants and cafes and they're always they're always very heavy on the prayer flags. They're very heavy on the Buddha statues, very heavy on the on the music. I went to one uh, and the music that was playing was like I was there for like two hours and the music was playing. It was like the whole time it was. Hi Krishna, hi Krishna, hi Krishna, hi Krishna, Krishna, Brahma, Brahma, Rama. I'm thinking, is anybody in here even know what Hinduism is? Does anybody in here actually believe in the Hindu Hindu gods and the Hindu story, the Hindu mythology? I mean, it's as bad as someone who's a Christian who's not really a Christian wearing a cross. Why do you wear it? Well, my mom wore it. Why do you wear it? Well, because Jesus died for my sins. Okay, but what does it mean to you? Well, Jesus. Well, it's more complicated than that. It's not just Jesus. That cross has a lot of deeper meaning. That's fine if that's what it means to you. But you probably should have an understanding of what you're wearing before you put it on. I don't get how every loving, lightful, peaceful thing nowadays is focused on Krishna. Now, from a historical point of view, like on the surface, I would get it. I'd be like, oh, these you know, people that have prayer flags and they have Buddha statues and they listen to Krishna music, um, which is a k- kind of funny music to me. I don't know if you've ever heard something like that. Uh, it's just it's just like hours of Krishna, oh, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. I'm just curious if those people who listen to that and who do those things, if they're aware that Christianity actually came out of Hinduism to a large extent. Hinduism, one of the oldest world religions, dating back thousands and thousands of years. I mean, Krishna is a prototype for Christ, Jesus. Because Krishna's father was an architect, was kind of like a, a, um, a, a woodsman, um, carpenter. Krishna uh, shares very, very close similarities with Jesus. I mean, even the name Christ, Christ, Krish, Krishna, the Christna, 
Krishna is Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Um, died for your sins, resurrected, promises to return, just like Jesus, just like Quetzalcoatl, etc. So that's one thing I never understood, like the love and the light and the peace and all that, which is great. But then mixing that with Hinduism and prayer flags, I don't get that association. I don't understand how new ageism, you see a lot of this if you go up to Sedona, I don't get how new ageism and love and light has become basically a, a belief system which focuses on the symbols of Hinduism. I mean, maybe it's a good study in how religious traditions over time expand and grow and new sects develop. I just don't see how it's not for people, for people that tend to be believers in cultural appropriation, they tend to be love and light and don't fight against criminals and, you know, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. But then you're appropriating Hindu culture when you're not Hindu. You don't believe in the Hindu gods. It just like makes you feel better to to eat, you know, eat a vegan cheesecake and listen to Krishna music. I just don't understand what that is or what that means. I find that to be very disingenuous and very uh, disharmonious. You know, I don't really get that. I don't really understand that. Uh, kind of digressing from the point. My point is, as the Hopi tradition states, this world will be destroyed in cataclysm if man does not find a way to align himself with nature. And what that means is, as Christians say, it's God's plan. And yeah, George Carlin had a great bit about God's plan. You know, what's the point of God's plan if any schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and F up God's plan? What's the point of the plan? Well, the plan is just nature. The plan is just how things unfold. The plan is aligning oneself with nature, as was done in the mystery schools, and becoming harmonious with nature. That is the harmony, uh, the beautiful music, the word of God that calms the beast inside of us, our animal nature. That's why Bell calms the beast in Beauty and the Beast, right? Harmony calms the beast. I have a huge section on that in my book, Occult Arcana, if you're interested in reading about it. So harmony calms the beast. The bell ringing calms the beast. The beast is really a prince, just like that's our soul spirit, our soul spirit. We are divine. This is our body. And in aligning with nature, it means working with nature, going with the flow of nature, with the wind, feeling the electricity around us, feeling what is right and what is wrong. In other words, God's plan are the series of things that our society doesn't seem to, to abide by in any respect. I'm not talking about pollution and genetic engineering. I'm talking about things like, well, dignity, ethics, respect for yourself and respect for other people, morality. I don't even know if we have a definition of what these words mean on average. Now, like, let's, I'm going to look at the dictionary here. I've got the dictionary pulled up. Um, let's look at what is moral. What is moral is the principle of what is right or wrong. What is good or what is bad. Now, these things aren't totally similar. You know, right and wrong can be a very gray area. Is it right or is it wrong to refuse to wear your head scarf in Iran? Is it also, even if that's if it's wrong to force someone to do that, is it 
then also wrong for the government to prevent you from resisting? Um, does the government and their morality police not have a point in preserving the, the dignity of society? Like I can see both sides. That's where right and wrong kind of kind of merge. And but then again, what is good and what is bad? Well, I mean, what is good is just what's desired. In other words, what you desire is what for you is good. That doesn't mean that what you desire, like if you desire sex and you rape somebody, well, that's what you desired. That was good for you, but it probably wasn't good for the other person. That's not moral. I think what right and wrong, good and bad really mean is it's a code of interpersonal behavior that what is considered right or wrong, what is considered um, good or bad in a particular society. Then overlaid on top of every society is a general morality that I think applies to everybody. So it might be wrong not to wear your headscarf in Iran, but it also might be wrong in the United States and seen as oppressive if you choose to do that here in the States. We typically don't care as much. Likewise, if you just basically go out of the house all the time with no clothes on, which I see people doing, men and women, I don't consider that very dignified, very respectful of yourself, but you can do whatever you want to do. That might be okay here, but it would be very wrong in Iran to do that. So that's a moral code based on the behavior that is considered acceptable in a particular society. Now, beyond that, we look at what is moral, generally speaking. And I think that we can all agree that if someone were to harm a child intentionally, that would be wrong in the West, that would be wrong in the Middle East, That would be wrong. Well, hopefully it would be wrong in China. That would be wrong everywhere. Probably not so much wrong in China or North Korea, depending on, you know, what did the child do? Did the child not look at the leader and say, I love you, leader? And I don't know what they do in China. They just murder people. So it's what communists do. So generally speaking, though, we can agree that harming a child would be an immoral thing to do. It would be an evil thing to do. But other kinds of behavior, right, wrong, good and bad, it's a more regionally defined sense of morality. So I think God is morality, and I think God is a general morality of knowing generally what is right or wrong. Harming a child is wrong. We can all agree to this, you know? And I think for the most part, we can understand that um, taking something that's not ours from somebody else is, generally speaking, wrong. Probably shouldn't do that. And we could debate like, well, if you're hungry and you're starving, you're still an apple. Does it? It's still theft. Sure, we can debate that, but that's not the point. The point, are, the point is very, very obvious things like you don't hurt a child. You don't take things that aren't yours. And, you know, lack of respect for, um, for yourself and your community. These, these are generally seen as immoral things. Now, what about, what is, let's say, what is ethics? Ethics is kind of similar. It's moral principles that govern a person's behavior, like do when no one's looking what you would do when people are looking. Don't, you know, I, I mean, a lot of different examples. Don't uh, steal things. Don't harm other people intentionally. Don't try to rip people off and scam people, you know. 
is the kinds of things, which funny enough, for as advanced as Hindu philosophy is, India as a country is not a very ethical country. I mean, they I think they've overtaken Nigeria for scams nowadays. It's t- terrible. So morality and ethics are very similar. There's a difference between right and wrong, a difference between good and bad. But generally speaking, there's a, there's a general morality and a general ethical code that we can all abide by, we can all agree upon. And I think that really is uh, the mind uh, of God, if you will, or the plan, I should say, of God. Then we come to dignity. What exactly is dignity? Because uh, the Iranians say that it preserves dignity to have the women wear these headdresses. First Corinthians of the, of the Bible says the same thing, that women should cover their head. It's a, a thing of, of, of dignity. It's a thing of respect and self-respect and, and, and whatnot in the, in the um, presence of God. So dignity is the state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect. And I think this is a really simple one to understand. I can respect somebody who respects me. And I can respect someone, even if I disagree with them, who respects me. If you hold yourself to that standard and you're willing to listen and willing to communicate, then you are worthy of honor and respect. Now, if you use that dignified image to harass people and to assault people and to verbally abuse people, and to fight with people, you know, in the name of peace and love and equality, then you're not a really moral person. You're kind of an a-hole. You're not really dignified. But the, the, the idea of dignity is why, it's why we, we, we dress respectably. It's why we communicate respectably. It's why we listen to other people. This is what we do in a civilized society. When we eliminate ethics, morality, dignity, and therefore respect, what happens is, we end up in a very uncomfortable situation. We end up in a situation where the most unethical, immoral, sometimes amoral, and disrespectful, evil, bad, wrong people are in charge and get to run the day-to-day of our society. Part of that is because we have abandoned God's plan, which again is embodied in these different attributes and these different things. And when we ab- abandon God's plan, when we abandon the, uh, the natural order, this is when, in the case of the Hopi, they believe that as a result of this, the fourth world will be destroyed because like Sodom and Gomorrah, people have become wicked. People have become, uh, become for lack of a better word, evil, chaotic, destructive. They've become out of harmony with nature and when you don't have harmony as in the case of harmony calms the beast etc when you don't have harmony what happens is you ultimately get chaos right you get a an angry animal an angry beast that's rampaging and raging and it's only harmony that calms that beast it's only the overcoming of superstition ignorance and fear it's the sacrifice of the animal self It's the ability to find internally and portray externally self-respect, dignity, and to act ethically and morally. This is the plan of God. This is the mind of God. This is the foundation uh, of the universe. Uh, This is order in creation. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. It is Friday night, November 18th, 2022. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. You can get a yearly subscription for only $40. Just PayPal the RD Gable email or find the link on our website 
or use Cash App, the money sign RD Gable. The music is from White Bat Audio. That's White Bat Audio. One more segment of The Secret Teachings coming up tonight. There's a lot more after this in that last segment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I want to make really clear tonight that my intention with the show is not to act and portray myself as being better than somebody else uh, or being on the proverbial pedestal or on my high horse. I'm simply presenting to you a philosophy that has been shared for hundreds, for thousands of years by various cultures and traditions present in numerous mythologies and theologies. And it's the idea that if we don't have these things that we consider to be very arbitrary, we don't have these things like morality. We don't have these things like ethics. We don't have these things like dignity and self-respect, a general understanding of what is right and wrong in society. Then chaos and animalism and beasts roam the earth and rule, or as they say, passions that rule our lives. They rule our societies. They rule our civilization. And they make us like Sodom and Gomorrah. The Hopi tradition, just like the 
Avestic Aryans in Iran, totally different parts of the world, believed in very much the same thing, that there are four worlds or four ages. That the first world was destroyed by fire, the second world destroyed by ice, the third world destroyed by a flood, understanding a little bit of geological history and mythological and a little bit of theological history, you could see this as fire, ice, and water. This has a lot to do with the ice age and the end of the last ice age and the water and the fire way before that. Perhaps, you know, asteroid, comet, could be a number of different things. But in other words, the mythology that the Hopi have, the mythology and the history that the Hopi have, like you find all around the world, like you find with the Maya, like you find with the um, the Avestic Aryans, it is basically telling a historical account of something that actually happened. And they believe likewise that the fourth world will be destroyed if we are not aligned with the Creator's plan. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, I've listened to a lot of late night radio shows, a lot of late night radio shows. And a lot of late night radio shows, you know, talk about cataclysm and apocalypse and the end of the world and things like that. And uh, I'm not a proponent of that just to talk about it and to say it for the sake of saying it because it sounds, you know, good on late night radio or something like that. But the idea that this world will be destroyed by something divine if we do not find harmony with nature is present all throughout the world. It's the story of, well, it's the story of Noah, right? It's the story of Noah and the ark. It's the story of uh, countless other similar Noah-like figures um, that have been informed by the gods that there was going to be a flood. Uh, we know the story of the Epic of Gilgamesh. We know about Ut-Napishtim. We know about um, uh, this other deity named Zia or Ziu Sudra, I think is how you pronounce the name, Zia Sudra, uh, which is the Mesopotamian Noah. We know about the uh, Indian stories, the Central American stories, the South American stories. We know about the Native and the Indian stories and the Americas. We know about the Chinese stories. We, we know that I have a whole section on this in my book, Occult Arcana, about these, about these floods and deluges and how the world was destroyed and how this, this happened uh, as a result of some of the gods becoming very upset and deciding to destroy their creation. They wanted to destroy their creation because the creation had become wicked. Again, like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Creation had become wicked. Creation had devolved and degraded into drunkenness and prostitution and gambling and things that were considered immoral and unethical and wrong by biblical standards. Now, you don't have to agree or disagree. Uh, the point here is, as the Hopi believe, and as so many other cultures, traditions, and tribes believe, this fourth world or the fifth sun will be destroyed, 
Some say by fire, some say by water again, some say by ice, some say by something else. But this world will be destroyed if man cannot find a way to respect himself, respect nature, and therefore realign with the natural order. And this would include, as I've said for a long time, I maintain that when you take, let's say, when you take the the idea of God out of society, it's not that you're removing hypocritical religions. You're removing what God represents. And what God represents is those four things that I've been talking about, morality, ethics, dignity, and respect, and they all sort of overlap. You take out of civilization the differences between what people need to survive and what people want. And we have so much here in the States, we don't really know what it means to need something. We only know what it means to want something. I think it was like the first, and it was the first season, it might have been the first episode of South Park. Remember, I think they go to like, a was it a volleyball tournament or something? And you got these Chinese guys there. And he's like, oh, oh, let me do oppression of American. Uh, I think I'll buy it with my credit card. You know, Americans don't really have much of a perspective on what it means to not really, to not really um, be so well off that you are desperately in need of something, generally speaking. And those of us who have opportunity to go to universities or we have really good jobs and yet become activists for human rights or abortion rights, it doesn't make a lot of sense because you have more rights here than you have anywhere else in the world. And then you also hate this country and you want to destroy this country and you think it's racist and sexist and bigoted when the very laws that allow you to say that without having your skull bashed in are the ones that also protect you regardless of your race, sex, gender, etc., and you want to get, get rid of the idea of, of equal protection. I don't really understand where this ideology is, is um, coming from, uh, except major universities, media outlets. I think a lot of it also comes from China. I think a lot of it comes from Soviet influence uh, prior to the fall of uh, the Soviet Union, the USSR. Um, and these are things we've talked about on other shows. It's not the sole reason. A lot of it has to do with just having so much abundance and not having any respect or recognition for that abundance and re- realizing that no matter what happens, you're going to be pretty well off. Um, no matter what's happening around the world, in the U.S., you're still going to be more well off than most of the people on planet Earth because you have so much wealth and so much abundance, you cannot put it into context or perspective unless you leave the country and go somewhere else to see how people live elsewhere in the world. So morality, ethics, dignity, respect, understanding what it means to need something as opposed to want something. And I think it's a result of, of, of technology as well. Um, compulsive usage of things that provide us with limitless conveniences. Uh, the rabid tribalism that makes us feel as if we're a part of something rather than being a part of society and working to help everybody. We want our tribe and our team to win. 
I think these are also things that can be implanted and exaggerated that are natural, but can also be planted artificially. They can be exaggerated. They can be extrapolated and turned into much larger issues than they already are in order to undermine the cohesion of a society, of a culture, etc. But again, we're speaking to things that are natural here, a natural progression, a natural incline, or I should say a natural decline, a natural decline to abandoning all of these things. You know, religion is hypocritical. Get rid of religion. Get rid of God. Close down churches. Stop allowing people to be who they are and instead tell them who they need to be to be popular. I mean, that takes away the essence of the self. It gives people a false identity. That's part of the tribalism again. And what's also convenient in order to fit in. The idea that if humans don't find harmony with nature, this world is going to be destroyed. I don't know if it's so much of a prophecy or a threat. I think it's more of a natural a natural um, process. The more we become out of step and out of line with the natural order, the more the natural order pushes back. And the further we go, the further it pushes back until we become the authors and the architects of our own destruction. It's not aliens. It's not God. It's nature. It's the wickedness of man. But that doesn't mean all men are wicked. I don't like that idea. Man is wicked. Man is inherently evil. Man is this or that. I don't believe any of those things. Man can be those things. I don't think man is those things. Because you have plenty of people in the world that do have respect for themselves and their communities. They do have dignity. They do have honor. They do have ethics. They do have morality. The more we have of those things in the way that we dress, the way that we act, the way that we eat, the way that we interact with people, the way that we communicate with people, the way that we do business, the more that we act in those ways and express those things, the better off we're going to be, both physically and spiritually, and the better off society, culture, and civilization are going to be. These are the things that put us in harmony with nature because these are the principal pillars, I believe, of what it means when people say God. God is these things. These things are God. God is not a deity. God is a concept. It is a a blueprint for living in a civilized world, which is why when we go back, as we discussed last week, to the stories of Aracocha, Quetzalcoatl, stories of Osiris, and other civilizing gods around the world, when they brought civilization to mankind, when they came on the waters to Egypt, when they came on the waters Lake Titicaca, uh, the waters of the Gulf, when they came to Central and South America, when they came to Africa, when they came to various parts of the world, or in the case of um, Oanes, Oanes or Ones, the fish god, uh, in the Middle East, Fertile Crescent area, Sumeria area, um, they all brought with them not only civilization, but as a key tenet of civilization, they brought with them love and peace. This is the teachings of like Krishna and Jesus and all of the other gods and goddesses. So if you think about that, you've got civilizing gods that didn't just bring civilization like, you know, 
I don't know, indoor plumbing and, um, you know, medicine. They brought with them, on top of all that, agriculture, uh, architecture, um, mapping, uh, astronomy, metallurgy, the list goes on and on. They also brought with them ways in which to communicate and interact with others. Ways that could overturn and evolve society beyond the point of barbarism. A lot of that requires knowledge. A lot of that requires information. A lot of that requires education. The kings and the priests would be initiated into mysteries. The mysteries were things like there is no death, that there is life after death. The mysteries were understanding mathematics and understanding the laws and the mechanics of nature and the universe and predicting storms and predicting uh, events in the heavens and things that made the priests very powerful. Things that eventually gave people so much power they turned it against man and they used it to destroy. And this is why the Hopi in particular say that if man continues to do these types of things, then this world will also be destroyed just like the other three worlds were destroyed by fire, ice, and water because the gods became upset at man's abuses of nature. When the civilizing gods in mythology brought those traditions and they brought with them, you know, harmony and peace and love, um, these were conditions that at the time were not common in 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 an, uh, an ancient world that to us is ancient, but at the time, um, I guess depending on the stories you read, seems to imply that after great cataclysm, when these civilizing gods came to civilize again, um, they were coming to people that were almost like uncontacted tribes, if you will. And they had a high level of knowledge they brought with them to civilize these people. And when those gods left, I believe they were human, when they left those areas to go back to their homes, wherever they were, some areas experienced explosive growth and some areas decayed and ultimately reverted to animalistic, barbaric behavior and human sacrifice. And I mean, you can see this present in in, um, modern society, right? It doesn't matter what color your skin is. You could be black, you could be white, you could be a woman, you could be a man. You could be gay. It none of that matters. What matters is did you do hard work? Did you in America we can do this? Did you do something that warranted a reward? If you work really hard, you might not get the fancy car and the fancy job and all the money in the world. That's not success though. If you work really hard, you can always be successful in what you want to do. Like here on The Secret Teachings, I've worked for 13 years on this. I make $1,000 a month. Uh, This month, I've made very little money. It's been very hard to get by this month. And yet, I continue to do it because to me, I'm still successful regardless of how much money I make. And that's something that we certainly don't teach children. We certainly don't have that as a a bedrock uh, of society. Uh, we have a different definition. We have a definition of wants. Our wants are the success. If we can get what we want, and what we want is cars and clothes and jewelry and TVs and Xboxes and Playstations, then then we're successful. 
which is not always the case. It's a matter of perspective. So if you work hard, you can obtain and achieve things, period. It might not be what you think it is in the same way that when you pray to God and you're like, pray to God, he'll give you whatever you want. He's not, I'm not talking about cars. You know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about you know, supermodel wise. It's the directionalizing of your will and your intention. And God helps those who help themselves. You pray to God to focus your intent and then you go out and achieve it for yourself. It's not a guy in the sky helping you. The prayer is directed toward yourself, your higher self, communicating with your subconscious, taking the time to clasp your hands so they're not wandering around. Take the time to close your eyes so your eyes aren't wandering around. Bowing your head in the presence of your higher self and praying that you have the strength to do what you need to do and then you have to go and do it. It doesn't just happen for you. That's success that's accomplishing, that's the assistance of God, that's part of the plan. Everything that is uh, upwardly mobile is the, is the plan of God, is the divine plan. Everything that is creative is the plan. I mean, that's why you see, this is my perspective, and I think a lot of you would agree with this. I could be wrong, but I think a lot of you would agree with this. Um, when you go and you look out your window, per se, uh, not literally. You go look out your window. You look at the world around you. And you see people that are constantly, politically, um, constantly fighting for these rights they don't, believe that, they don't believe that they have. They're so angry. And they're so uptight. And they look so miserable. They also seem to wear costumes. But then on the other side, you have people of every color, every creed, every religion, every nationality, etc. And they seem to be pretty happy because they just want to work with other people and they don't see the color of their skin or their sexuality or their gender as a, as an inhibiting factor to obtaining the success in life that they, that they desire. They're not blaming other people for things that they, they can very easily accomplish, not, not accomplish. They can very easily accomplish. They're just doing things. Um, you know, we talked with, uh, Ethan Walton. Uh, he's becoming a good friend of mine. We talked with him like two was it two weeks ago? It was Friday before last, I think, or maybe it was last Friday. Um, and he, you know, in our climate in America, you would think that a young black man couldn't get by. He's an award-winning actor. He's a state basketball champion. He's going to law school. He's doing very well in school. Um, and he's younger than me. And the guy has a wealth of knowledge because he's read and he's studied and he has a family that communicates these things. And he has a family that's not, you know, totally decimated like most families are. So he's very successful in what he does. And that's the case for all of us. I'm very successful in what I, I've done. I've written four huge books. I've self-published them. I have yet to turn them over to a major publisher because I don't trust them. I host this radio show Monday through Friday. I come up with new topics every single day. I put out new promos new descriptions, I host the show, I export the show, I upload the show, I answer emails, I write the books, I edit the books, I put everything together, I run the website. I do all that for hardly any financial benefit. I do it because I love what I do and because it helps people, because it's beneficial, and because it fulfills me who I am. And that gives me a sense of not only responsibility in handling those day-to-day -day affairs with this show, it gives me a sense of purpose. And that's what's really important, a sense of purpose. And purpose can be hijacked. That's the disturbing thing. People that feel 
as if they don't have any rights or they don't have the ability to achieve things. Their lack of purpose, which usually stems from not working, not being in a healthy relationship, and sometimes things that aren't necessarily their faults, not having a structured family, having some tough, bad breaks in life, can turn someone who's looking for purpose into a violent or radical activist. As is the case, you know, I just saw that these activists once again attacked a, uh, another painting. Uh, there's been a number of these paintings that have been attacked. People have thrown soup and paint and other things on them, claiming that they don't like that these paintings were made with oil, despite the fact that they were usually made with plant oil and the types of things you're using, like the soup and the soup can and the soup label, that's all made with the oil you don't like. Gluing yourself to the wall or to the painting frame, uh, that glue is also made with oil most of the time, the oil that you don't like. And, well, according to... um, According to researchers of the University of Pennsylvania new survey, anyone who's watching people behave that way, throwing the paint or breaking the milk containers, pouring out the milk, trashing the meat, destroying the cheese counter, which is just a waste. It's already there. Steal it and give it to somebody if you're going to do something. You know, don't just destroy it. According to this survey, a professor of earth and environmental science at Penn, uh, Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania, professor of uh, earth environmental science, co-author of the study said people are turned off by it. And as a result, they're less likely to support the cause of the people doing the protests. According to the study, Republicans, Democrats, and independents in every single case, even Democrats reported that these actions made them less likely to support climate action. I don't know if you remember, we had Frank from Quite Frankly on. He's a real smart guy. Been on his show a few times recently, quitefrankly.tv. And he said the same thing when he came on. You know, he eats meat. I don't eat meat for different reasons. And he said, honestly, Ryan, he's like, I, you know, I know how you feel about meat and stuff, but he's like, you know, when people pour out the milk and destroy the meat and try to destroy these paintings, it just makes me want to go out and buy an extra steak. And that's, that's the case. I would, I'm not going to eat meat. But, and I'm not going to buy one of, you know, a $10 million Picasso painting, but it makes me appreciate the art more. And it also makes me, it drives me to learn because I learned, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, these paintings were made with uh, plant oils. Like, for example, the Vincent Van Gogh sunflower painting was, was made with plant oils. You know, I didn't know I had to learn about that. So I learned something. So like the destructive act of trying to, um, vandalize, trying to destroy these these priceless uh, works of art, whether you like them or not, is really encouraging people to eat more meat, to drink more milk, to eat more cheese, and to appreciate the art and to learn about the art. See, this is why there's necessary evil in the world, because people can go and just try to destroy these things. And what does it do? It drives Republicans, Democrats, and independents. It drives people that otherwise wouldn't agree to agree that this is wrong in every case, And I'm less likely to support the cause because this is how you're going about handling it. You're not communicating. You're not debating. You're either screaming, how dare you, or you're trying to destroy art and culture. You're trying to rip down statues and burn books. And we don't agree with that as humans, let alone as Americans who have a much more rich tradition of liberty and freedom 
and an understanding of basic morality, basic ethics, basic virtue, basic natural law. You're not going to get anywhere by physically destroying things. You're not going to get anywhere by giving crack pipes to people and coddling criminals and letting people live on the street. It's disgusting. It's despicable. It's immoral. It's unethical. It's wrong. We should be trying to help people. And I've always told people this when people tell me, oh, you've got privilege. Like, well, I use my privilege. If you think I have that, okay, I have privilege. I use my privilege to try to help people. I shouldn't have to denounce my privilege. If anybody has privilege, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean, you should be using it to assist other people, not to degrade and demean people, not to destroy statues and art, not to scream and yell and insult and call people names. It turns everybody off. This is why when people traditionally, when people have friends, people are married, people have a good job, there are absolutely stresses in life but your partner's there to assist you. Your job might suck, but your family's there to assist you. There's a balance in all of this. If you don't have any of that, you're an angry, usually violent, and aggressive, and ignorant, and arrogant person who goes about destroying the beautiful things in life because you can't create them for yourself or because you refuse to put in the effort and the work to obtain success by your own standards, always looking to somebody else for a standard that you could never meet no matter how much effort you put into it. Because even to those wealthy people that have all that stuff, they're usually pretty miserable too. And when we align ourselves with the natural order, with the mind of God, everything we've talked about, according to the ancients and according to the Hopi and other Indian tribes and traditions throughout the world, This is the only way that we can avert cataclysmic disaster of human society and human civilization. It might not be destruction from an asteroid or a comet or a volcano or an earthquake or earth crust displacement or nuclear war. It might be destruction because we destroy ourselves. And it might not be destruction of physical society. It might be destruction of the interactive society that we live in. When you look around, uh, you tend to see that that's happening rapidly in some places. So it's time to bring some order. It's time to bring some alignment. It's time to understand what the mind of God is and what the laws of nature are. Harmonize ourselves with them, and we'll be much better off. And I'm by no means on a high horse on a pedestal. I'm speaking with you tonight, not at you. And I hope that you appreciate, I hope that you listen, I hope that you understand the perspective that I'm providing you this Friday night, November 18th, 2022. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Very quickly, if you'd like to listen to the show after the Monday through Friday broadcast, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific after Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis right here on GroundZero.radio on the Aftermath FM app. You can, of course, go to Apple Podcasts, any other podcast platform, search The Secret Teachings. You can find all the shows. Please leave us a review there. Leave us a couple of stars And let us know and let others know what you think about the show. That helps promote us. Share that feed on your social media page. That would really help us. And if you want to get rid of the advertisements, we get paid from those ads. But if you want to get rid of them, you can subscribe. We're doing a $40 yearly subscription to The Secret Teachings. Just go to PayPal, rdgable at yahoo.com. Send me a note. Send me an email. Let me know that you've donated $40 for the year. And we'll get you set up with an account. 
or you can use the Cash App, which is money sign already Gable. And there's a link and a QR code and all that on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast next week as we approach Thanksgiving. Have a good weekend. Talk to you then.